0: Ready for some word today? All right, let's get after it. 2 Timothy chapter 4. The book of 2 Timothy and the 4th chapter. Today I'm going to continue a series we began a couple weeks ago. And uh, this is our text for this series, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, called Completing Your Course. Completing Your Course. Let's begin over here in in verse 6 of chapter 4. He said, Paul writes here, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Now, Paul writing to Timothy at the end of his life, mentions some things that he has done. He fought the good fight. He he kept the faith. Primarily, even though they're all somewhat tied together and connected, we are focusing on this middle part. I have finished the race, or as some translations say, I've finished my course. I've finished the course laid out before me. Now, how many know that God has a course laid out for each of us to complete? Just like He did for for Paul, He does for you, He does for me. There is a course for us to complete in life. If I'm unaware of that course i uh, most certainly not going to finish it, and uh, how many know completing your course is not the same thing as completing your life, all right? Kind of like finishing your work day. You may go home at five, and you're done with your day's work. Doesn't mean necessarily that you finished everything that you intended to or needed to finish that day, right? You just finished your day, and so you went home. I don't want it to be that way with my life with your life, because how many know if you don't get all your work done, you can probably do it tomorrow, but when it comes to our lives, there is no tomorrow, in the sense of when we're finished with our physical life on this earth, that segment of it is over, I mean it lasts forever, but this is a very unique time we have to live in right now, it's just a brief moment in eternity, it's just a vapor, one day here, one day gone. But the things that we do during this little span of our physical life on, on Earth, it, it makes a difference for eternity. And so we've got to give it everything we've got, and we've got to make sure that we accomplish what we were set on this planet to accomplish so we can literally go home and be finished. All right? Not just with life, but with the course. Have completed it all. Very unique time here. Think about it. You are a spirit being living in a physical body. You have a connection to the Spirit of God at all times. His ability surrounds you and fills you. Yet your physical body keeps you on earth. The moment your physical body stops working, you leave. You're not allowed to stay here. Contrary to, you know, what Hollywood might tell you, there are no dead people walking around. Alright? When someone dies physically, they leave the planet. They either go to the middle of it or they leave to another planet called heaven, right? But right now, you and I, we know some things, that we have spiritual power in a physical body. We can take the resources of heaven and the resources of God, use them for our own selves and bless humanity with them. Most people live ignorant of this reality. They are totally oblivious to the fact that the Spirit of God, the spirit world, is right there in their midst. And they are just a spirit being living in a physical world. What a cool opportunity we have right now to do some good stuff. So again, anyway, all of us have a course to run, uh, a race to run, a course to finish. And, um, you know, Paul's talking about his race or his course And ours is similar to His in many regards, and then different in other ways. In many ways, we are all the same. Our course is the same. We do the same things. And then in other specific areas, our course is different. One from another, we each have different assignments. God has tasked us with different jobs to do while we're here on the earth. One of the things I know... The Lord stirred up in my heart while praying about this one day is that is that I should and I need to be representing Him everywhere I go in everything I do. I am His representative, not not because I'm a pastor, because I'm saved, because I'm a child of God. A- and really, that's true for all of us. It's one of the one of the things that is true and that is the same for every one of us. The Bible calls us, in fact, in uh, in Second Corinthians chapter five. It says that we are ambassadors for Christ, right? We are God's ambassadors. What what does that mean? That simply means we represent Him. That means where we are is not where we're from. We're from another country. We're from another land. We are citizens of heaven. We are just roaming through the earth. We are spending our time here. But the day you got born again, you changed your citizenship. Not from the United States to another country, but from planet earth to planet heaven, Now you're a part of God's kingdom, and here, you and I represent Him at all times. I mean, there's some real positives there, because how many know an ambassador, an ambassador from the United States to another country, well, uh, how many know they get provided for, they get their, uh, everything's paid for by their country, they represent their country, they have, um, uh, you know, diplomatic immunity and things like that, they get protection, usually, Um, sorry. Sorry. Supposed to, um, they, get, uh, they get a lot of benefits because of who they represent. Likewise, it is with us, we represent God, we are of the kingdom of God, we're here in this earth, but we're living off of our hometown resources. Yeah. But this is, again, one thing that should be consistent about all of us. Wherever we go, no matter what we do, we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. We represent the, represent the interests of the kingdom of God. Okay? In church, of course. In family, yes. In work, wherever we go, that is a consistent truth about our lives. Now, uh, one of the things we must focus on in life is is, is to make sure we complete our own course and not somebody else's. A lot of times people are, are focused on what others are doing. Well, uh, you know, it's one of the quickest ways to become discouraged when you start comparing what you do with what someone else who does what you do better than you do. <laughs> I mean, even if you come to a place where you discover you do what you do better than what someone else does, that can be an issue too. You know, the whole comparison factor can get us into trouble. You either feel like you're either going to end up in pride or you're going to end up in inferiority. Well, one of the two is going to result. And so we, we want to keep our eyes on our own lane, so to speak. You know, it's like if you're running a track, uh, a track meet. You've got the lanes that you're supposed to stay in. You can't be, can't be just changing lanes like you would on the freeway. You stay in your own lane, because if you don't, you're probably disqualified or, you know, you hinder someone else from running their race. And likewise it is with us. I shouldn't be focused on what you're doing. I should be focused on what I'm to do. I need to stay in my own area. I, I know I, I oftentimes think about the golf course when I, because of the word course. And it's very similar, uh, because I have personal um, experience, numerous times actually, where I have gotten to hit my ball from someone else's fairway. (laughs) You know, it just depends on how the course is laid out. Uh, If they're friendly to people like me, they they put each fairway next to each other, so if you slice it or hook it... You just go and play from over there, and sometimes it works out all right. Uh, the downside, how many know, is you got some other guys who are teeing off, and their balls are landing all around you, <laughs> and, and also you might slow the, the the pace of the whole day. Everyone's slowed up because you're in someone else's fair, uh, you know, fairway there. If you learn, and if you get skilled, you stay in your own fairway, like uh, the runner stays in his own lane. Uh and that's the way it really ought to be in the kingdom of God and the course we have in life is that we're supposed to stay in our own area. We're supposed to focus on what we're to do. Look with me at a scripture over here in 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians, the 10th the, the, the chapter. It, 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 ha- it has to do with this issue of comparison where people uh, focus on others, again, they either feel better about themselves, they, feel, they get lifted up in pride, or they feel like they're uh, inferior, like they're not very skilled at what they're doing. 10 verse 12, Paul writes here, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Notice they're what? They're, they're, they, are, they, are, they are not wise. They are not wise. So if we want to be wise, what do we do? We forget about what everyone else is doing. In this regard, I mean, we cheer them on and so forth, but we're focused on, on our assignment, on our task. And it's not being compared by God with someone else. I'm not being judged by what you're called to do. I'm not, being, I'm not going to receive reward if I do what you're supposed to do. If I recognize that you're not doing what you're supposed to do, and I say, well, I'm going to pick up the slack and do what they're supposed to do. I'm not even going to get rewarded for that. See, I only have grace, I only have God's favor and ability in my life to do what I'm supposed to do. And if I get off track and begin to focus on someone else's area, not only am I going to probably be unskilled, unsatisfied, um, uh, you know, unqualified to do that, I'm probably going to fail anyway. I'll feel bad, I'll feel like I'm not doing doing a good job, I'll feel unimportant and all these things, but the reality is I just got out of my place. I got off into someone else's lane again, doing what they were supposed to do instead of myself. So you are graced for your own course. You're not graced for someone else's course. If you see someone else doing something great, say, cheer cheer them on. Say, way to go. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. If you see someone doing something, you think, how in the world do they do that? That looks so hard. That looks so difficult. I could never do that. Well, you might be right. You might be right that you could never do it. You know what? Probably you're not supposed to do it. And you're not supposed to feel bad about not being able to do it. All of us have probably been guilty of this. I have before. Compared myself to others and thought, wow. Even in ministry, thought, you know, I quit. (laughs) If I could do it like that person did, I mean, this would be amazing. But the reality is I'm gifted and graced to do what I'm supposed to do. And I need to stay in my lane. And do that. And likewise we all are supposed to do that. We're graced only to do what we are supposed to do. And so when, when, when we use this, when I titled this message um, and I, the New King James Bible that I generally teach from uses the language of race and I looked up others like I commonly do and, it, and I'd see course and I chose to use the word course, a lot of it had to do with this, in my mind I frequently picture competition when I think of a race, you know like a track meet i think they're all competing against each other you know if i'm race, if i'm racing f- foot race with you um not only do i want to do well i don't want you to do well <laughs> you know what i'm talking about <laughs> even if i smiled at you before that race and you know and and was real polite and and kind and everything i mean if i if, if it's a competition i want to win anybody with me on that and you're not, going to be, you're not going to let the other person win just to be nice. It's like, I'll be nice to you in another arena. But right now, you're going down. And so that's why when I, when I think of the word course, you know, it gives a, more of a, uh, I'm supposed to go different directions and do different things. Because in the kingdom of God, I can be 100% for you. You can be 100% for me because me winning this race is not contingent about on someone else losing this race, okay? And that's some, an area where we can cheer each other on. I really believe that's, that's part of what I'm called to do, and probably all of us are, but I'm called to help other people win. I'm called to help other people succeed, and if I, if I can impart to you, if I can give you a word, give you direction, if I can pray, if I can do these things in such a way where you recognize what God wants you to do, what He wants you to be successful at, what He wants to use you in, then, then I'm helping you win. Amen? And that doesn't take away from my winning. In fact, I think that is a win. You know, in business they call a good deal a win-win. Right? And here we'd like to have win, 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 win win, win. We all win. We all do what we're called to we all complete our course. We all get that crown of righteousness. We all get rewarded on that day and we all have a good time in the process. Come on, this is say that's quite idealistic there. Well, it's the plan of God and it's attainable to all of us. It really is. Even if you've, if you've been on the wrong path, or if you started on the right path and jumped ship before you got to, to your port, uh, there's grace and there's mercy to get back, and to get back in the place where you, you, you once were, or in the place that you need to be. I, I think there's probably some here today, you might be in this situation where you didn't even know there was a course, you didn't even know there was a plan, and have no idea whatsoever what it is, but that's what, why we're talking about it, amen? Amen. When you focus on something and you look at it and you give your attention to it, that's when God reveals things to you. That's when you begin to see what you didn't see before. Amen. I mean, it, it, you, can, you, can, you can stare out your window into your, into your yard. If you, stare at it, if you stare long enough, you'll start to see things that were always there but you didn't see them before. If you look at your house close enough, you lay lay on your back in the middle of the middle of the room, start looking. You'll see things and notice things that were always there, but you just didn't notice them before. And, and a lot of this is 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 where we got to put our focus. Okay, go over to to John chapter seven with me. Let me help you a little bit further in, in relationship to knowing what you're supposed to do. Uh, again, we got to stay in our own place. We've got to complete our own course. Uh, I know over the years I've had relationships with and known numerous people who tried to be be pastors. They saw someone else, or maybe they had a pure motive and desire to do the work of God, and they said, I'm going to start a church. I'm going to be a, a lead pastor, senior pastor in a church. And I've seen so many of them where I, uh, on the outside, thought, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> Not because I've done it, but knowing their gift, knowing the grace that's on our life, I said, I thought, you know, that's not going to work out. That's just not. And it's not a negative towards that person at all. It's just a matter of, is that what you're supposed to do? And every one of those situations that I can think of, uh, they didn't turn out well. They ended up, not that those per- people weren't um, supposed to be used of God, they were. Just not in that capacity. Just not in that area. And that's why it's essential that we get to a place where we recognize, at very minimum, what we're not supposed to do. Because <laughs> how many know you can waste a whole lot of time and a whole lot of years doing what you're not supposed to do? There's forgiveness and there's grace, but you're only going to live so long. Huh? <laughs> I mean, there, it's like the work day. If you go to work and you ended up spending three hours talking to someone that didn't, you know didn't help the business at all, you didn't make the sale, Didn't nothing happened and you spent all this time, well, those, those, that time is gone. Huh? It's not getting, not coming back. Anything that you might have done that was, would have been productive, it's just gone. When it comes to our lives, uh, hopefully we'll not waste too much time. Okay, John chapter 7, Jesus made an outstanding statement here uh, in verse 17, 7, 17, He said, if anyone wills, to do His will. His being the, the Father. If anyone wills to do His will, He, who, who's He? He is the person who wants, wills. He shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Jesus was teaching, preaching, saying a lot of things. And He was telling them, those who really want to know the will of God. They really have a desire. Their will is to know and do His will. They know what I'm talking about here. They know whether these things I'm saying are right or whether they're wrong. That's a powerful statement. In other words, he's really getting at the heart and at the motive of every individual that's listening to him. Some are throwing stones and throwing, some are saying blasphemy and all this stuff. He said, if you really wanted to know the will of God, you would know it. If you really wanted to know And I believe that principle is true in many of the areas of our lives. When we get to a place where we are personally and inwardly settled that nothing in this world is going to take the place of me finishing my course. I am going to do the will of God. I'm going to fulfill my assignment on the earth. You know what? I'm going to know what I'm supposed to do. I am absolutely going to see it. I'm going to see what's, what's in, what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. And then we just, then from there, it's just being honest with ourselves and get, getting after it. and uh, And we'll talk more about what we do from there. But again, one of the biggest hindrances to fulfilling God's will for your life is your own will. Is your own will. You know, Jesus even had to deal with that Himself. Before He went to the cross, I mean, Jesus was submitted to the Father, but before He went and under... What went through the most challenging situation in all of history, when Jesus became the sacrifice for the sin of the world? You remember he had a little heart-to-heart with the Father, had some prayer time, spent a few hours, sweat like drops of blood. You know what the gist of his prayer was? It's basically saying, "Is uh, there a way out of this? Uh, if not," I'm going to do what you want. Not my will, he said, but yours be done. What did Jesus do? He submitted his will to the will of the Father. It's very interesting to me that even Jesus in his perfect relationship with the Father and his sinless life, even he, it took him a few hours to get that done. Wow, think about that. I mean, it was, his task was much greater than any of ours. But it still, it took him a few hours until he said, okay, I'm ready to go now. And he was so settled, so submitted to the will of the Father that when they started mocking him and beating him and putting thorns on his head and tearing his skin open and questioning him, he'd sit there and just ignore them. Wouldn't say a word. They hung him on the cross and he's praying, Father, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. That's pretty serious, isn't it? You know what he wanted? He wanted the will of the Father more than anything else. And if you and I will submit our will to his will, you're gonna know we're gonna know. Know exactly what we want to do. Let's get rid of our own agenda, though. Let's get rid of our own course and say, I'm gonna play God's course. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Everything that God has done for us, it was intended to go through us. Not just to be a stopgap with us. Salvation, how many know, comes to us, but then immediately we are transformed into preachers of the gospel. Every Christian is a proclaimer of the good news. I, 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 I receive healing and I lay hands on the sick. I receive His love and I love and serve others. It's always been God's intention that He wants to do it to you and that He ultimately wants to do it through you. And here, here's what I'm talking about in, in willing to do the will of God. In, we basically have to be busy doing Christianity. Many times people get into a place where they have become a Christian, they are saved, they recognize who they are in Christ, but they're not doing Christianity. Does that make sense? Not to many of you. Uh, doing, it, it's one thing to be a plumber, it's another, you know, have the education, have the, 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 the skills, have the license, it's another thing to plumb. You know what I'm talking about? It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to let that flow out of you in all areas of life and do the things that we are created to do. You know, as a Christian, I, uh, I should worship God. I should love and serve others. I should seek first the kingdom of God. I should share, for, share the good news that I've received with others. I should lay hands on and heal the sick. I, 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 sh- I should do the things that the, that the scriptures describe as the activities of a believer. Everybody with me? Instead of just knowing about them. Instead of just living my life by uh, a set of doctrines and say I believe these things. No, I should be a doer. I should be, uh, have Christian activity. In that place, God can direct us. But it doesn't seem like he has, a good, he has a very easy time directing an idle person. Those who say, I'm a Christian, but do nothing. They don't do Christianity. They just say, I am a Christian. How does God direct that person? How does He steer them? Because it's like playing golf. Have I used that illustration yet? (laughs) If you go to a new golf course, one that you've never been to, new to you, you might uh, finish the first hole, and you might look up after you're walking off the green. uh, You might look up and see the tee box for the second hole. And you might play the second hole, and you might walk off the, 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 the green, and you look up, And think, where's the third hole? If you know the course, you know exactly where to go. But if you're at a new place, you might see it right away and you might need some instruction. So you start looking for signs. You start looking for arrows uh, to tell you where the third hole is. You just might not know. I've found in life that I will finish a task, an assignment, something I'm supposed to do. Sometimes it's very obvious and very clear right away. Okay, here's what I do now. Here's what I'm to do next. This is what God's next part of my life is. And sometimes I get finished and I go, huh, (laughs) now what? And it takes a little bit of seeking. It takes a little bit of looking around. I'm talking spiritually now, looking to the Spirit of God to see where I'm supposed to go next. But as long as I'm playing, you know, as long as I'm active, as long as I'm doing, I'm going to get to the next hole. I'm going to stay on course. And if I keep staying on course, eventually I'm going to be finished and go to the clubhouse. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. And get rewarded. That's just in the other illustration, though. Um, Let me give you a couple challenging thoughts. Since God can't really lead idle... He leads active. Uh, If you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you in court? Or is it just a title? It's just someone we claim to be. You've got to look at activity. You know, if let me ask you this. What if everyone in our church, in this church here today, what if everyone in the church did as you do? I mean, would things increase or would they decrease? Would things be better? Would things be worse? I, any of those are possible, but what if everyone did what you do? I mean, what I'm talking, I'm talking about serving. What if everyone served to the, to the level, the degree, the commitment that you serve with? Would this be an amazing place or would it be pathetic? Sure, why is it so quiet? <laughs> what if everyone gave just like you do? Would the place that, would we exist as a as a church body or would we not be? What if everyone was as friendly as you are? What if everyone was as friendly to strangers, to new people that they didn't know, just like you are? Would this place be the happiest place on earth? Would it rival Disneyland? <laughs> or would it be hmm, cold and? I didn't mean to put you in a bad mood here today, but. <laughs> just want to challenge us if we think about what we do because I want to avoid the possibility that we might just be saying hey I'm a Christian but we don't do in Christianity we're not doing it God created us created in Christ Jesus unto good works unto good things so to complete your course most essential is first of all that you begin your course And many of us have, but then after that, how many know the key to finishing is simply continuing? Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going until you're done. And this is kind of a big subject there. I may come back to it later. But that's one of the areas that I have witnessed in many believers' lives is they're going strong. They're doing a good thing, but before they ever reach their destination, they're out of there it's the inconsistency factor. It's they're going strong for a while but then cares of this world, temptation, life, different things happen in life and they quit before they get to the end. And I don't want any of us to be that way. Man, not one of us. Let's not let's not fall for that. I'm not saying there's not going to be any hiccups, any bumps in the road or mission folks, tow Uh you know, uh there are going to be some of that, but how do we overcome? How do we press on through? How do we stay in this thing until we finish? Look at 1 Corinthians 9 with me. The ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians. A number of these letters, of course, that we're reading from, you know, the Apostle Paul is the writer. He wrote good portions of the New Testament. And he made some statements here that are pretty outstanding. Especially coming from a person we know he understood heaven and hell and righteousness and unrighteousness and grace and works. and I mean, he wrote about all these subjects so much and had much to say. But he, he's talking about his own life here in a moment. Let's read here verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9:24. 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. And they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Meaning this is much more important what we're doing. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body. Who does? He does. He disciplines his own body, and bring it into subjection, lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now think about that statement. That's quite an outstanding statement for Paul to say about himself. He said, there is a potential with me running my race, doing God's will for my own life, I could get to the point where I become disqualified myself. You now, we know he's not in limbo here wondering if his salvation is secure in Christ and if he's you know might slip off into hell and uh, no no no, he's not questioning that. His qualification is not with his standing with God, but it is in, in his standing with people. His qualification has to do with what other people might receive of him because of how he disciplines his own flesh his own body whether he is qualified i guess in the eye, i guess in the eyes of god as well but to represent god effectively to teach to preach to say the things that he was supposed to do and to have people receive them those were contingent not upon god's grace or his faith in god but they were contingent upon his character Upon how he dealt with the circumstances of life and temptations that came his way, he said he dealt very strongly with himself, lest his flesh take over. Some translations say it this way: He said, "I beat myself like a boxer. Bam, bam, bam." Now he's not physically uh, abusing his his, his body. But he's saying, I'm dealing very strong, very serious with my own self. Because even he, with all his knowledge, he'd been to heaven. He had a relationship with God that was outstanding. But he knew if he gave his flesh an inch, it would take a mile. He knew his flesh would stop serving, stop loving, it would start lusting, it would start doing all kinds of stuff that any human being would do outside of the grace of God. He said, I'm not going down there because even after I've preached to all these people and the world has been won, I could be disqualified from my position and my place in people's lives going forward. And this is one of those things that he dealt with so that later he could say, I finished my course. I kept the faith. I fought the good fight. Remember now, you have flesh too. Don't you? You have flesh. And your flesh will be all about you. My flesh is only concerned with me. And I've got to take, take this thing into consideration. Because to be saved is one thing. But to be used of God is another. The first, of course, is by faith in Jesus and His finished work. But the second, these other factors come into play. Commitment and dedication and uh, faithfulness and availability. All these things must be in play if I am ever going to do what I was created to do. So I believe in Jesus. Good. Get to work. (laughs) I believe in the Lord. Good. He's got something for you to do course for you to complete it's an assignment that he wants you to fulfill let, let, let me uh let me read you a couple verses and i'll finish with these you don't need to turn to these today 2nd corinthians eight twenty one. 21 it, it reads this way providing honorable things not only in the sight of the lord but also in the sight of men So I say, well, we shouldn't do anything to please men. We shouldn't do anything because of man's opinion. Uh, Yes, we should. Now, ultimately, we do it for the Lord and to please God. But if we're not not aware of the fact that our lives and how we live for God affects other people, then we're really missing it. Paul said, "I'd, I'd do this in the sight of the Lord and in the sight of men. He realized that yes, God is watching, but he's abundantly merciful and gracious. There's also a lot of people watching, and they're not very merciful and not very gracious. Someone said, Well, people shouldn't judge me. It doesn't matter what people should or shouldn't do. Let me give you a heads up you're going to be judged by a whole lot of people. They're going to watch and criticize and critique every little thing you do, especially if you say you're a Christian. Then they're going to doubly watch you and look for an opportunity for you to mess up. There are some evil people in our world, by the way. I remember a couple years ago uh, reading uh, in the news on on uh, on on a website about how a reporter had offered some large amount of money to anyone, any woman who would come forward with evidence that she slept with Tim Tebow. Because he's a Christian, you know, an athlete, famous person, and uh, very much um, known for his stand and his character and these type of things, and they're just looking for dirt, looking to pay someone to come forward to, to prove that he's a fake, looking for some evidence to say he's not the real deal. What a shame, isn't it? I mean, how pathetic is that? What a low life! But I tell you, all of us who say I'm a Christian. People are looking out for us to fail. And you know what? If you fail and I see it, I'm going to forgive you and restore you and have, have mercy on you and help you get right back to where you're going to be. I'm going to do everything in my power, and a lot of people around here will be the exact same way. But I tell you what, there are those in the world that will not be so quick to do so. Huh? And that's why when it comes to finishing our course, yeah, we've got to give attention to our own lives and say, Hey, I'm going to discipline my body. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to trust God to help me to stand no matter what comes my way. You know, one more verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22, it reads, uh, King James Bible says, abstain from all appearance of evil. That's interesting. Not just abstain from evil. He said, stay away from anything that looks bad. Stay away from anything that, doesn't, that looks like it's evil. Well, why? What's the big deal? I can do whatever I want to do. I know, but if it looks bad, it's going to ruin things for you. It looks bad, it might call into question your commitment, your character, and you might be the real deal, and you know it, and God knows it, and those who know you best know it. But he said it's still an issue, so you avoid certain things just because of what they look like. To what end? So we can preach to others. You know what I mean by that. Say, I'm not a preacher. If you're a Christian, you're a preacher. That means you share the good news. You share with family, friends, neighbors, co-workers what the Lord has done for you. You're a preacher. And so you want to do everything in your life to prop up the fact that you're the real deal. Does it mean you won't fail and it mean you never make a mistake? None of us have lived that life. There's forgiveness and there's mercy. But integrity and honesty and character are essential And we need to make a big deal of these things if we are going to fulfill the will of God and finish our course with joy. Amen.